0: Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. For uh, those of you who are note takers, I did what I thought was a favor to you. When I began to look through and see the number of scriptures that I was going to reference, I decided that we're going to have a lot of people with writer's cramp. So I decided to reproduce those on the back of the bulletin. And then when I looked at that, I thought, my goodness, maybe I went a little bit overboard. But anyway... Hopefully you'll see why these all matter and why this all fits together as we move forward here this morning. You know, we see unfaithfulness in a lot of different ways and a lot of different forms all around us, and most of the time it's not newsworthy, but it does in fact happen every day, and most of the time we never hear about it unless it's in a form that somehow involves us personally, but the more well-known a person is, the more his or her unfaithfulness makes the headlines. We see politicians who are breaking campaign promises. We see other public figures. We see other celebrities of all kind. And sometimes, sadly and too often, that includes high-profile ministers of the gospel who break their wedding vows or get into some sort of legal trouble. We see people cheating. We see people lying and breaking oaths. We see employers Our employees cheating their employers. Sometimes we see that the other way around as well. Unfaithfulness is all around us. And despite the fact that many kinds of unfaithfulness still bring almost universal condemnation, even that is changing. You know, it's really amazing what I find sometimes when I get into the sermon research process and I begin to prepare a sermon. I came across a company that actually capitalizes on the idea of unfaithfulness. It's called the Alibi Network. Anybody ever ever heard of it? It's amazing. On the front page of this company's website, you'll find that they create some excuses for some fairly innocuous things, like if you wanna surprise somebody for an anniversary or a birthday party, they help you make excuses for that. Or if you wanna buy a surprise gift, maybe some other things that we wouldn't necessarily classify as unfaithfulness. But if you dig just a little bit deeper into their website and all the things that they have there, you'll find that they also provide ways for you to be truly unfaithful and very deceptive in a variety of contexts. And this is for a price, of course. Here's a sales pitch from their website. Married but looking for more? Well, you're not alone. The married but looking population is quite large. Or do you need to communicate certain things to your spouse to get your relationship back on track? Please call us at 1-877-ALIBI-ME. This is not a joke. Or visit our contact page if you have any specific questions or concerns regarding our services. We will assign to you a personal alibi specialist. Now imagine somebody asks you what you, what you do for a living. Well, I'm a personal alibi specialist. Available 24 hours a day who will assist you throughout your case, whether you are married but looking for a discreet affair or have a sensitive situation that you need to resolve, we have a solution for you. Amazing, isn't it? Now, I hope you note-takers did not take down that toll-free number. (laughs) Of course, none of these solutions are free. The custom alibis for affairs pricing, they say it depends on individual circumstances. You can imagine that, doesn't it? The virtual hotel service, which gives you receipts from a different hotel than perhaps where you're really staying, or even allows an unsuspecting spouse to call the hotel that you're supposedly staying at in Camden, New Jersey where you're going for a convention, or at least that's what you've told your wife, rather than being in Miami having an adulterous affair. Well, that starts at $175. You wanna be an unfaithful employee and call in sick when you're not? Hopefully nobody here has ever done that. Well, you don't have to do it yourself anymore. They have a solution for that too. Call in sick service provides clients with cast-iron sickness alibis. We would call a place of your work for you and pretend to be your doctor, dentist, or a spouse, and tell your boss that you can't come in so you will not have to fake it on the phone. I'm so glad. How about this handy alibi? Do you need a part-time or full-time job so you have a valid reason to be away from home? Are you embarrassed to be unemployed and want to create an impression that you have a job or even own a business? You can use the cover of being an employee of one of our many partner companies. We will provide you with all the necessary infrastructure, such as business cards, work, phone number, email, and personal secretary, if needed. Sir Walter Scott wrote, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Of course, Gomer Pyle changed that to say, Oh, what a wicked web we weave. Just imagine that in Gomer's voice, when first we practice to deceive. How true this is how true this is, and how unlike a true follower of Christ. But you know what? We don't need alibis if we're really following the Lord, because God has shown us a better way to be faithful to him and to be faithful to what he has commanded. The word of God proclaims God's faithfulness to us. We even proclaimed it a lot in our worship this morning. Again and again, we see examples of God's faithfulness and all of his dealings with us. You know, a couple weeks ago in our house church, Andy Abrocta shared, and he shared a testimony of all the things that have happened to him in the last six years or so of his life. And at the end of his talk, all I could think about was the faithfulness of God and how God had proven himself faithful in Andy and Dorothy's lives through the most challenging times of their lives. Here's one of the first scriptures we're going to look at of the many. Deuteronomy 7:9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. I could quote dozens of psalms to testify to God's faithfulness. I won't quote dozens, just a lot. I'll cite just a few here right now. Psalm 33, verse 4, For the word of the Lord is upright, all His work is done in faithfulness. Psalm thirty-six, five. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens; your faithfulness to the skies, describing the vastness of God's faithfulness. But you, O Lord, Psalm eighty-six, fifteen, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And Psalm eighty-nine, fourteen. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne; love and faithfulness go before you. These are just a few examples. I could cite many more, and in fact we will look at many scriptures this morning that speak with absolute clarity one of the most encouraging and tremendous truths about our great God. He is indeed faithful. As we move further into today's message, you'll note how many times we quote from Psalms to speak of God's faithfulness. But when contrasted with what we see around us, It begs the question, God is faithful. Scripture speaks of that with great clarity. But how does this apply to me? It begs the question, what does God expect of me in terms of faithfulness? For the follower of Christ, that answer is just as clear as Scripture's proclamation of God's faithfulness. We can be faithful. We can be like God. An amazing thing to consider. Not perfectly not completely, but if we believe what it says in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen, we who, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. If we believe this, then we can indeed be like God in His faithfulness. Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two and twenty-three, which tells us the nine fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The fruit, the natural outgrowth of that Holy Spirit power, which is always working to change us, to transform us into his likeness, includes Each of these nine things that we just read in Galatians, and one of those qualities is, in fact, faithfulness. The Spirit fights against sin, not merely in defense, but also in attack by producing in Christians the positive attributes of godly character, all of which are evident in Jesus in the Gospels. I think we have somewhat of an understanding of what God's faithfulness means we've seen it at work in our own lives we've seen it at work in the lives of other people we've heard it preached fairly regularly fairly often from this pulpit but even recognizing that we are to be faithful as we are transformed into his likeness we also know that we're not God and we can't imagine being perfect in faithfulness as he is we may be faithful in many things But our faithfulness can never be as vast as God's, which Scripture says reaches to the skies. Our faithfulness isn't perfect, as this Scripture tells us it is. In Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. So here's where we have to step back and ask the question, how faithful do I have to be? How faithful do I? Can I be? I think it's very interesting to note that God seems to be in the habit of giving us seemingly impossible standards to attain to. How about this verse from Matthew chapter five, verse forty-eight? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or how about this one from first Peter chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen? As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So though these admonitions seem a little bit unattainable and rather daunting to us, they must not be in God's view, or Jesus wouldn't have said what he said, nor would scripture contain these examples for us, these commands. Faithfulness is clearly listed as a fruit of the Spirit, So we also know that this is not something that we can do on our own. It takes the energizing, it takes the transforming influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to bring this fruit about. We can't just decide to be faithful, although actually that's a pretty good start, but we can decide to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and choose to obey what God commands. With that in mind, let's spend the next several minutes looking at the practical implications of what it means for us as followers of Christ to need no alibis and to be like God in his faithfulness. The word faithful is derived from the root word in the New Testament from which we get the word faith. It means worthy of belief, trust, or confidence. In different verses, the word faithful means a variety of different things related to this. For example, trustworthy, sure, true, believable, worthy of credit, of true fidelity, faithful in duty to oneself and to others. When the word's used about God, it means first and foremost that God keeps his promises. He's absolutely and completely reliable. When it's used of people, it's often used in combination with the word servant or slave. And it means faithful in the performance of a duty or obedience. In the Old Testament, the word faithful means literally firmness. But figuratively, it means security, moral fidelity, stability, steady, truly, truth. Figuratively, to render or be firm or faithful, to trust or believe. Assurance, believe, to be faithful of long continuance, steadfast, sure, surely, trusty, verified, You can kind of follow in that theme here. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, the words translated faithful or faithfulness are strongly associated with the word truth. Holman Bible Dictionary has this to say about the word faithful. Steadfast, dedicated, dependable, and worthy of trust. It's derived from the Hebrew root having the basic meaning to trust a person or to believe a statement. This is the same root that gives us the word amen. The derived meaning is that the one so described as trustworthy, dependable, trusting, or loyal, the faithful God keeps his covenant, and the faithful people keep his commandments. In the New Testament, the adjective faithful is a derivative of the Greek noun meaning faith, as we noted a moment ago. Here we get the translation faithful as a natural derivative of faith. Once again, the fundamental meaning is that the one so described is trustworthy and loyal. The root idea is that one has fidelity toward another person or toward God. For example, in 1 Corinthians 7.25, Paul commended himself to the Corinthians as one who is faithful, as the King James translates it, or trustworthy, as the New American Standards uh, version translates it. In Revelation 2.10, the church in Smyrna and subsequent readers are commanded Be faithful unto death. And in Ephesians 1.1, Paul addressed the letter to the faithful in Christ Jesus. In other cases, however, faithful describes God's mode of relation toward persons or toward God's creation. Many of these passages speak of God as faithful in order to comfort and encourage Christians. The faithful person is steadfast, unchanging, and thoroughly grounded in relation to the other. This sort of fidelity... Or faithfulness is used in both the Old and New Testament to describe God's relation to the world and to describe the quality of the relationship that Israel and Christians are called to have with God and with one another. So faithfulness is a divine characteristic. It is a fruit of the Spirit. For us as Christians, it means consistently doing what we say we will do. Faithful people are people you can count on through thick or thin. Faithful people are reliable. They're trustworthy. You can trust them with anything. You can trust them with your life. Disobedience or sin is unfaithfulness. Not following God is unfaithfulness. We see in Scripture that God is faithful even when we are not. Even the song we heard before the sermon this morning references this idea. We see in Psalm 89 if his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging, but I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. God's faithfulness protects us. We see that in Psalm 91, verse 4 he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Well, that raises a question, too. How can we be protective in our faithfulness? I think an easy analogy here is parental protection. Our faithfulness as parents can protect our young children especially. That can be difficult in our culture. That can be difficult anywhere as the world is a dangerous place, physically and spiritually. The reverse can be true. Our unfaithfulness as parents has the potential to put children in harm's way. Now beyond the parental analogy, I think of our nation and our world. I think of the analogy of the finger in the dike. You know the story? Anybody, who who remembers the story from Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates? It's a story about a Dutch boy who saved his country. It's a story within the story of that uh, book, Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates. You may remember that the Netherlands is below sea level, much of the Netherlands, and the nation relies on a series of dams and levees to hold back the sea and prevent a catastrophic flood. Well, the story goes that this Dutch boy saves his country because he notices a hole in the dike, it's leaking. So he puts his finger in the dike, the boy stays there all night in spite of the cold until the adults of the village find him and then they make the necessary repairs. In many ways, I wonder how much the faithfulness of Christians in this country, the faithfulness of Christians in other parts of the world, their faithfulness to pray, their faithfulness to reveal the love of Christ in the way we live our lives is kind of like the Dutch boy holding his finger in the dike, protecting, preserving, and holding back the tide of evil. God's faithfulness is praiseworthy. We see this also In Psalm 91 and Psalm 115, Psalm 91 reads, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. In Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Is our faithfulness praiseworthy? Well, clearly not praiseworthy like God's is. Not to that level, but can someone looking at our life say about us, that person is faithful in this way, or in that way, or in that activity, or in the way they love? I can think of people about whom I can say that. And I have said that. This person is faithful. I can think of others about whom I probably wouldn't say that. God's faithfulness is also everlasting. It doesn't end with us It doesn't end with our children or our children's children. We see that proclaimed in Psalm 100, verse 5 For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. And we see in Psalm 117, verse 2 For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. How firm is our faithfulness? Does it last? Faithfulness that doesn't last isn't faithfulness. Are we faithful for a while and then give out? Do we grow weary in well-doing? Now, let me be clear here. I'm not saying that God never brings changes to our life circumstances, which means we sometimes have genuine, even godly reasons to stop doing specific things. I don't want to scold anyone here this morning. I don't want to make people guilty. Or feel guilty for seeking God, for hearing from him that a season of service in a certain arena is over, and then freely moving on in God's will, in the middle of God's will. But we must always ask the question when we're talking about faithfulness and sticking with things and consistency, have we really heard from God? We have to ask that question. Or are we simply exhibiting our human frailty of unfaithfulness? Again, we're recognizing that empowered by the Holy Spirit as God's gift to us, we can exhibit a God kind of faithfulness. With that understanding, it's good to compare God's faithfulness to our own and ask for a measure of His faithfulness to be apparent in our own lives. God's faithfulness also doesn't always mean happy things because it's tempered by His wisdom and His love, and sometimes, His faithfulness means affliction or even pain. Psalm 119, verse 75, tells us this truth. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now, my guess is you're not going to hear that verse preached about in too many churches around the nation this morning, but here it is. How else can we deal with this? In faithfulness you have afflicted me. There may be times when, as we Exhibit the spiritual fruit of faithfulness that we too will be compelled to, quote unquote, afflict people in some way. In these cases, to do otherwise would be actually to act unfaithfully. In our culture, happiness seems to be the highest goal. But you know what? Scripture says it's not. Holiness is a much higher goal than happiness. There's nothing wrong with happiness, but holiness is is a higher goal. So when the psalmist tells us that God's laws are righteous, and we know that God's laws sometimes restrict or restrain some things, we can understand how his faithfulness could sometimes afflict someone. A classic example might be an alcoholic, or a person who is plagued with some sort of addiction, who cannot think beyond his or her next drink. Our faithfulness to them might be to afflict them in some way, to deny them their addiction, their next drink, for their own benefit. The reality is faithfulness can never mean being there to help someone do something that's physically or spiritually harmful to them. Amen? God's faithfulness is linked with his compassion, and his faithfulness is consistent We see this in a very familiar passage in Lamentations chapter 3. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When I think of faithfulness, I can't help but think of consistency. New every morning, every day. I think of people like Spencer and Carl and Dave Troutman and Steve Sperber, consistently serving with the med van on Monday nights. I think of Ed and Nancy Harkins and many more of you here in church consistently pretty much every week. Let's not underestimate our presence here on Sunday mornings as a mark of our faithfulness to God and to each other. I think of people like Dave and Debbie Mason consistently serving in the tape room for years, just unheralded, and there they are. I think of Jody and Dawn and many others consistently serving in the Good News Club. I think of Charlene consistently serving with Kids Hope. I think of the Norcoms visiting Nettie each and every week. And of Doris talking to Nettie on the phone almost every day. I think of Hallett and the members of the worship team giving consistently of their time and talent to minister to us and to minister with us in that way. Now, I could go on and on. Clearly, I could cite many other examples, and that's always the danger of beginning to list things like this because somebody's going to be left out. So please don't feel left out if I didn't mention you. But the idea here is that faithfulness means consistency. And in God's design, it's often clearly connected with His compassion. For us, another thing faithfulness means in terms of God's gifts to us, when God gives us gifts, and we're not just talking about material gifts, we're talking about emotional, spiritual gifts, things that he, resources he gives us. One of the things that faithfulness means is use it or lose it. There's a passage of scripture, familiar passage, a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. It's a little bit of a long passage, but I'm going to read the whole thing because it relates to what we're talking about here this morning. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered seed, scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked Lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not gathered scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is kind of a scary parable here. It's kind of scary if you think about it. One thing this parable's not about it's not about money. It's not about an investment strategy and how to make big bucks in the stock market. It's about what God gives us and how we use it. It's about stewardship. And it's about godly stewardship. And godly stewardship means faithfulness. Whether we're given great talents, gifts, or money, or whether we're given small things, God expects us to be faithful to use well what he has given us. Note that the master in this parable gave the talents according to the ability of each individual. He gave five to one, two to one, one to one. No one received more or less than he could handle. If he failed in his assignment, his excuse couldn't be that he was overwhelmed. Failure would indicate only laziness or hatred toward the master. The bags of silver represent any kind of resource we are given. God gives us time, gifts, and other resources according to our abilities, and he expects us to invest them wisely until he returns We are responsible to use well what God has given us. The issue is not how much we have, but how well we use what we have. And again, this is applied to any kind of material resource, but also our personal resources in terms of time and energy and giftings. God doesn't require us to do the same things as those who have greater gifts in one area Another, but this is not a reason why we should do nothing. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. We can't give what we don't have, and God is more aware of what we really have and what we don't have, even than we are sometimes. We also see the master chastising the last servant for being lazy. God will judge us, not just for doing wrong, but for not doing right. The servant didn't make any use of his talent. He was given this talent, and he hid it away. He showed in this that he was lazy. Lazy is the opposite of faithful. I found this great quote from Matthew Henry. Money is like manure. Good for nothing in the heap, but it must be spread. Yet it is an evil which we have often seen under the sun, treasure heaped together, which does good to nobody. And so it is in spiritual gifts. Many have them and make no use of them for the end for which they were given them. So this parable tells us these things about faithfulness. The servants of God are not all endowed with the same equal gifts and talents. All, whatever their ability, are bound to employ their talents in promoting his honor and in a proper improvement of them. By employing their talents in a proper manner, they improve them and they strengthen them. They will be judged according to the improvements which they have made. All sinners look on God as a hard master and as unreasonable and tyrannical. And people will be judged not merely for doing wrong, But for neglecting to do right. So, how well we use what we have in terms of both resources and giftings and time, that's faithfulness. How well we use it is faithfulness. So, God's faithfulness is illustrated in many ways. And we've just, we haven't even begun this morning to tap. The realm of God's faithfulness and how we can be like God. These are just a few examples this morning. Because faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, it can be illustrated in our lives in many ways as well. For us, faithfulness can mean things like keeping our promises. Related to this is the idea of dependability and reliability. For us, God's faithfulness can mean doing what's right and righteous. It can mean being obedient to God, regardless of the outcome or the circumstances. And sometimes we know that those uh, circumstances can be rather challenging. For us, God's faithfulness that we can walk in means letting our yes be yes and our no be no. Keeping our commitments to God and to each other. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken to us, or by us, to the glory of God. It is God who makes us both and you, makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Faithfulness for us also means consistency as we looked at. Consistency is a definite hallmark of faithfulness. Faithfulness means using the gifts and the opportunities that God gives us, as in the parable of the talents. Faithfulness means we're trustworthy. Do people trust you with their stuff? That means their emotional stuff, their spiritual stuff, or their things. Can people trust you with things? Can they trust you? That's faithfulness. And faithfulness most often, very often, calls for endurance. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 10, it says, If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient, endurance, and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Faithful endurance and patience and faithfulness and on the part of the saints. There's a minister named Fred Craddock who talked about this idea. He said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think Giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in $1,000 for a bunch of quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. We listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. We go to a committee meeting. We give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually, giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. That's what faithfulness is. Little by little over the long haul. It's clear that faithfulness is demonstrated. It's not just spoken of. We can talk all day about being faithful but we must demonstrate this. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. He's faithful in all he proclaims, yes. But he is faithful in all he does. It's also clear that we can grow in God's faithfulness. Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I like that image, cultivating faithfulness. What do you do when you cultivate? You plow it up and you keep plowing it up. I like that image. It's interesting to note that faithfulness is one of the names of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 19, verse 11, the passage in Revelation 3 reads, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creations, referring to Jesus. And in Revelation 19.11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. In Scripture, we see many examples of people's lack of faithfulness, and we can look around us in our world today and see that as well. Psalm 12, help Lord for the godly are no more, the faithful have vanished from among men. Psalm 78, verse 8, they would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Isaiah 121, how the faithful city has become a harlot, she who was full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who lived in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. Jonah 2.8, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. And finally, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? True faithfulness among people is rare, but it should not be rare at all among those of us who are followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. We don't need no stinking alibis. Huh? because we have something better we have spirit given faithfulness to live in to walk in to demonstrate to a lost and suffering world as christians there are no alibis needed because we can be like god that's an amazing thing to consider we can be like god in his faithfulness amen Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth proclaimed so often in Scripture that you are a faithful God. And we're thankful as well, Lord, that because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can attain to that kind of faithfulness, a God like faithfulness. Not perfectly, not completely, and we recognize that. But Father, we do pray for that spiritual fruit of faithfulness in our lives. We do pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would empower us and strengthen us to be faithful, faithful to you, faithful to each other, faithful to our commitments. Help us to be trustworthy and dependable and reliable in our own individual spheres of influence to hear clearly from you and then to follow in the path you set before us with faithful hearts to love and serve the Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word. Help us to ponder it in these coming days, how you are faithful and how we can be like you in your faithfulness. Lord, And we pray that your Holy Spirit would also bring conviction into our lives. Where we are not faithful, Lord, we pray that you would help us to grow in faithfulness, Father, even as Your word says that you can transform us into the image and likeness of God. We pray that you would do that in this arena, especially, Lord, in our faithfulness. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand.